This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Even without C.J. Stroud, the Buckeyes have a dangerous offense with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka. Can the Gophers slow them down? What will it take in 2023? You are locked on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Uh, Golden Gophers. However it turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You are listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Rob, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. We're getting to the end of it, folks. We are almost done with the Gophers schedule and covering every single opponent, the changes they've made in the offseason and what will be the make or break for Minnesota heading into the season. But before we talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes today, I want to talk about the offensive side of ball and what we learned from Saturday's practice. I also will be in tow in today's practice this afternoon, so we'll have more insights coming up tomorrow's show as well, so you're definitely going to want to be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube. Follow wherever you get the podcast at Locked On Golden Gophers. And then after we wrap up these behind the enemy lines, we wrap up with Ohio State today, Wisconsin tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about basketball and how the Big Ten additions affect men's hoops. And then we're also going to talk about some impact thoughts for the upcoming football season this week. Next week, we kick off the depth chart talks. We're breaking down every single position group. You're not going to want to miss it. Be sure to hit subscribe, but let's talk about the Gophers offense from Saturday. Let's talk about the insights that we learned there. But before we do that, these days, every new hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn's jobs is helping you out, find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. But let's talk about Gophers offensive insights from the fall camp. We've one week through heading into week two. And yesterday I leaned more into the defensive insights for the Gophers. And now I want to spit more facts on the offense and what we saw, what we gleaned. Now there wasn't a whole lot to take away because like I said, Big Ten Network is in tow. The fans were in tow. The media was in tow. So it was all toned back. It was all scaled down. It was probably not even 5% of what has been being installed and being worked on because Coach Fleck doesn't want to give away any secrets whatsoever. He is very meticulous in that spot. But what we did learn were a couple things. Three main points that I think we can garner from the Saturday practice that we were able to watch. The first one being in that wide receivers room. Now the wide receivers were rotated off in the opening walkthrough. Uh, you saw looks with the ones with Crab on the outside, Daniel Jackson on the outside, and Corey Crooms running in the slot. And then running with the twos groups right behind them, we had Elijah Spencer on the outside, Kendrick Lanier on the outside, and then Brockington working in the slot a little bit with 
Hoskins getting some slot work as well. Now, what that tells me overall, before we dive too far, we were told, the media was told that Crab, Chris Ahmed Bell, was doing some indie work throughout the day, but otherwise he had more of the day off and that the training staff is getting him more slowly and steadily ramped up into full season mode. So he's been going on an every other day basis. He practiced the day before on Friday and he would be practicing with the squad again on Monday. So Tuesday, again, a media practice. We probably won't be able to see too much of Chris Ahmed Bell because it falls on an off day. That being said, he did do some some indie work and he did the opening play walkthroughs so we got to see a little bit with him and it, I took note that we saw him with the ones on the outside right away with that walkthroughs but outside of that once we entered the team periods once we got more into the skelly opportunities the seven on sevens then you saw more of Daniel Jackson Elijah Spencer Lamecki Brockington, Corey Crooms, Brevin Span Ford, those were the main guys in that in those ones featured segments. Hoskins occasionally got some snaps in there as well, but those others, uh, D-Jack, Spencer, Brockington, Crooms, and Span Ford, that's five right there. And then I anticipate Chris Ottman Bell will be involved once he is in that full rotation again. That's six strong that you're looking at when it comes to pass catching options. Now, beyond those. Kenrick Lanier looked like he can push for snaps or push for opportunity, maybe be on a two deep to travel with the team, but more so still learning and absorbing in 2024 could possibly be the year where he really takes a jump to a major role. Now, Dino Kaliak-Manis also saw similar amounts of work and snaps with Lanier and Hoskins. So those are the guys behind those core six. I said those three are kind of the next men up mentality. Now, we also got a look at some of the younger Gophers as well in the Rofer periods. TJ McWilliams was out there. New Hayes was out there getting involved, getting warmed up, getting into the offensive playbook. Again, this is week one for them out there on the grind. So it's definitely going to be a slower process. I expect both of those players to likely redshirt in year one. But if we're talking about the core of wide receivers, it's likely that Minnesota will have five wide receivers taking a large number of snaps. That's with Chris Ahmed Bell, Daniel Jackson, uh, Corey Crooms, Elijah Spencer, and Lamecki Brockington. Now, where those are coming from is going to be something of interest for me as we continue to progress through camp. I think Chris Ahmed Bell sees a lot of his work outside. Daniel Jackson probably sees a decent amount outside, but he did play some slot work in the spring. He played some slot work, especially in his 2020 season. So maybe he could see some versatility as well. Corey Crooms is more so specifically focused towards the slot work, it seems. So it'll be interesting to see how they rotate, how they feature, how they highlight these different receivers. And then you'll also probably see Brevin Spanford work into the slot as well, like we did in 2020. Now, Christian Hoskins could see himself enter the equation in 2023 in bits and spurts, but I wouldn't likely, I, I don't think it would be to a major extent. It would probably be a lesser extent. And again, he is a player that could absolutely take off in 2024. Now, outside of the receivers, you flip to quarterback and Gophers fans should rest assured knowing Cole Kramer should give this team a ton of comfort and confidence in their quarterback too. Knowing he can take care of the ball, he can get through his reads, and he has solid accuracy. He showed that in the spring. He showed that in the spring game full front, and then he also showed it again when we were able to see him in this fall camp. He is very composed, and he is a great 
knowledgeable quarterback to have on the field if anything were to happen to QB1. So you definitely take take comfort in knowing that we have a rock-solid backup there. But then the third point that I wanted to talk about was the running backs. Now, these running backs should be fun. Still not fully sure how it's going to play out and shake out. All four were getting touches with the ones like we mentioned on yesterday's show. But I think Darius Taylor will get to play in this season. I think that it's not going to be a redshirt season for him. I think he is going to command touches, and that is exciting if you are a Gophers fan. I think he is the real deal. He is a big dog, and he's going to make it happen on the field. Now, that being said, Bryce Williams is still going to be involved, and he's going to have involvement of some capacity, but to what extent? That's the biggest question we have with his role heading into the 2023 season, his final year of eligibility. Now, I personally wouldn't be surprised if Bryce was used in a very similar capacity to what we saw last season with the spell work, with blocking downs, with some of the receiving game and riding him when he's riding the hot hand. Otherwise, I can see a lot more work to the other backs as well. But Coach Fleck always pays respect to the senior leadership, to the veterans and them being through the situations, but also a word that he's been praising all offseason so far with the word poise, which a lot of veterans will bring. So Bryce Williams will have some sort of role with this offense. Now, on top of that, one thing we noticed in Saturday's practice was Sean Tyler has jets. This man is fast. And I'm not just saying like, oh, yeah, he's, he's pretty quick. No, his speed pops off when you are watching him. I mean, his speed is extremely present on the field. He will likely be in the conversation for leading touches in nearly every game. And he can be a difference maker in some games with that breakaway speed. Now, we're not talking mo-level carries. We're not talking... 25 totes a game. Maybe on his best games, he could see more of that 18 to 20 carries, but I think he'll average around 15 carries a game. He'll get some usage. Um, he'll get some opportunities to really break one away, but I think they're going to use him in a more efficient manner. It's not going to be the ground and pound three, three down running back that we're used to seeing with the Golden Gophers. So it will be curious to see how much his incorporation is, how sporadic it is, and who he is paired with in what given game plan. So for me, it comes down to how much and how often are the young guys in Zach Evans and Darius Taylor utilized. It will be their show in 2024, plain and simple. Those will be the guys that probably lead this backfield. But what does 2023 look like? Does it look like Zach Evans takes the lead in some games with Sean Tyler? Some games Darius Taylor takes the lead with Sean Tyler because they all have different skill sets and different positives to their game. So I think overall, it'll be very interesting, something to keep an eye on as we continue out throughout the fall camp. Now I will be back at practice again today. So I'll have more insights for how week two is kicking off for fall camp. So be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube so you don't miss any of that information. Now we're going to move on to our penultimate episode for behind enemy lines with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Will they be headed back to a conference championship and conference contention, or could the Buckeyes potentially have a down year? That's what we're talking about coming up next. First, I got to talk to y'all about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager, a poker match of sorts, and you want to be able to find the right fit for your company. You don't want to 
call somebody's bluff, you want to find that winning jackpot. So you want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the right people for your team for fast and for free. But all you got to do, you can use simple tools like screening questions. You can use other people within your network to help you expand your search and even more to find the right skills and the right experience and prioritize those so you can get to an interview even quicker. So head on over to linkedin.com slash locked on college today to help you get to the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now we talked about the early fall camp offensive thoughts, but now we're going to talk about the changes for the Ohio State Buckeyes program. Tomorrow we're going to wrap it up with Wisconsin. And then we got to talk about basketball a little bit and how the new additions to the Big Ten play out in that sport because I haven't heard too much noise on that. So we'll jump into those thoughts later this week. But let's talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now you've got Coach Ryan Day. He's been to a college football national championship. He's been to the playoffs in multiple years now. But this man can't beat Michigan for some reason, and hopefully he'll get it done because I know some Ohio State fans are just absolutely rabid at the fact that he hasn't, and some are questioning if he should keep the job. Now, wouldn't it be nice to win like 42 games in your career with your head coach and only lose like 10 and think that you should call in to question your coach? That is spoiled. That is first world problems, but it's not surprising with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, We talk about the offensive coordinator. They've got a new one in his first season this year in Brian Hartline. Now he is in his sixth season with the Buckeyes as the wide receiver coach, and he was an offensive quality control in 2017. He's worked with a number of NFL wide receivers in this Ohio State Buckeyes program, and he's seen as potentially, if not the best wide receivers coach in the nation, working with guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, KJ Hill, Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, and Jameson Williams. That's a ton of resume building players on his qualified or his qualifications when it comes to coaching the wide receiver position. We'll see how he transitioned into that offensive coordinator because who knows, maybe they'll be calling on his name to be the head coach if Ryan Day really does get the boot for some reason if he can't beat Michigan. Then you flip to the defensive coordinator position, Jim Knowles, second season as the D.C. Now the defense improved in all of the main statistical categories last season. When it comes to scoring defense, total defense, rush defense, pass defense, they all saw a jump up from 2021 to 2022 in Jim Knowles' first year. But We'll see if that trend can continue. He was 
fairly decent with Oklahoma State prior to that, and his defense increased productivity every single year. So we'll see if he can keep that trend with the Ohio State Buckeyes. When you're looking at the transfers coming in, they've got a handful of them that could maybe make a case. You've got some offensive linemen and Victor Cutler from University of Louisiana Monroe, and then Josh Simmons from San Diego State. Both of those guys are offensive linemen that could try to enter their names in the conversation. Then you've got a cornerback from Ole Miss and Davison Igbenosin. And then you've got uh, Taiwan Malone, a defensive line from Ole Miss as well. Both of those guys coming over from the SEC program. And then finally, you've got Jihad Carter from Syracuse, who could have an opportunity to make an impact as a depth player in the safety room coming over from Syracuse, like I said. But let's talk about the offense and how this thing shakes out. The biggest question is the quarterback position. Now, Kyle McCord seems to be generating the most assumptions when it comes to who will be the starter, including myself. I think he's probably going to start. But Devin Brown is very much in the race and just as talented as Kyle McCord. Now, Ohio State has churned out quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, at least of collegiate production year after year, and they're always getting it done, especially with Ryan Day, who has had success with the quarterback position. I've seen some people state that neither have ever started a game for Ohio State, but that's not true. Kyle McCord started in one game in 2021 versus Akron. He threw for 319 yards and two touchdowns along with one interception. And then in 2022, he went 16 for 20 throughout the year playing in some cleanup work, but that's 80% completion with nearly 200 yards and a touchdown grading out as a 73.4. So I think he can hold his own. I think he's got the, the IQ. He's got the experience now to not panic and put himself into a positive position at the quarterback position. And that assumption of starting is probably coming from him being the only guy who has any on-field experience in that quarterback room. But on top of that, being the number two guy this past two years, and he played with Marvin Harrison, wide receiver one, in high school. So it helps. Overall, whoever they start at the quarterback position is likely to be just fine. Especially when you look at the rest of the rooms. Running back room, they've got Travion Henderson, who had the hype of a B. John Robinson after his freshman year, where he had 1,248 rush yards, 312 receiving yards, and 19 total touchdowns with an 81.4 PFF grade. Now, in 2022, not as productive, but that is mainly due to multiple injuries. Now, in games one through five, he kicked it off with 436 rush yards and four touchdowns, but he got injured, like I said. Now, it's not just Henderson who is promising in the running back room because when he got injured, Mayan Williams stepped up. Mayan Williams, who had 825 rush yards, 14 touchdowns last year, and another guy who stepped up in Dallas Hayden, who had 553 rush yards and five touchdowns. That's three quality running backs who have all shown that they can carry the load. It's not just wide receivers at Ohio State. But speaking of the wide receivers, Marvin Harrison leads this room and the best wide receiver in the nation and possibly one of the best wide receiver prospects in years. Absolutely robbed of the Blitnikoff Award last year, in my opinion. 1,263 yards, 14 touchdowns was absolutely, everybody knew the ball was going his way, but he still got it done. Graded out as a 90.2 over on PFF and his partner in crime was not far behind him. Emeka Igbuka, who was the wide receiver, two, 1,151 yards, 10 touchdowns, 
And they've got their wide receiver three from last year coming back as well in uh, Julian Fleming, who had 553 yards and six touchdowns. And then you pair that with Cade Stover, who was a third team uh, tight end last year when it came to all Big Ten. I'm still Brevin Spanford got robbed. I'm I'm just saying. But Cade Stover took that acknowledgement and he had 406 yards and five touchdowns. Now you take that wide receiver talent, that pass catcher talent, you pair it with the true freshman of Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, and Noah Rogers all coming in, all four to five star guys, all mixed up. This offense basically has the same run it back group from last season that was 14th in the nation when it came in passing and ninth in the nation in total offense. Look, that's a lot coming back in the skills position. So as long as you have an O-line to protect your new quarterback, they should be able to get it done. And if they can't, you can be sure that the other name will be called to get it done with all of that talent around them. Now, speaking of the offensive line, center, right tackle, left tackle, all are being replaced this year. Now, they have two starters back in the guard positions, Donovan Jackson, who graded out at a 76.7, and Matthew Jones, who graded out at a 75.7. The rest will likely be a battle to determine the starters over this early part of fall, but Carson Hinsman and Tegra Tishabola, uh, both redshirt freshmen from last year, both four-star guys in the 2022 class, are likely to make a case to start The offensive line will probably find a way to be dominant with the pairing of returners, the freshman classes, and some transfers coming in. But let's flip it to the defense really quick. Like I said, Jim Knowles came from Oklahoma State. He didn't do too bad with his defense flipping over. Now it's probably like the fifth best defense in the Big Ten, but it still was a top 25 defense in the nation. 14th in the nation in total defense, 25th in the nation in run defense, 26th in the nation in pass defense, 25th in the nation in scoring defense, and tied for 69th in the nation in turnovers gained. Now they've got a bunch of key returners coming back in JT, uh, Jack Sawyer, Tommy Eichenberg, Lathan Ranson, Denzel Burke, Michael Hall Jr., and Josh Proctor. Now a lot of those guys either started the full season or started multiple games and will likely start the full season next season. But they've got a lot returning, a lot of uh, production in year two with Jim Knowles. So I would only anticipate they're going to get better, which is promising for Ohio State and not promising for the rest of the Big Ten, who always sees Ohio State succeed. But can the Gophers pull an upset? They came close to scaring Ohio State prior to the Mohamed Ibrahim injury in 2021. Can they shake it up? Can they make an even bigger front to pull an upset in 2023? That's what we're going to talk about next with the make or break in this upcoming season. All right, Gophers fans, we're talking about the make or break when it comes to Minnesota playing Ohio State. And with Ohio State, Minnesota is probably going to be a little bit happier on how I think their make or break is because it is the style of ball that Minnesota has liked to play under the coach PJ Fleck in his time here. And that's typically what they put on the field. And that is controlling the time of possession, that type of offense and keeping Ohio state's offense off of the field is going to be pertinent for Minnesota to have any chance against Ohio state. Now, the last time these two teams played, It was a lot closer than what the box score shows. You see 45 to 31, but it wasn't really like that for a vast majority of the game. In fact, the Gophers were up at halftime 14 to 10. It was a 10-point game in the late third, 31 
to 21 with the Gophers driving when Mohamed Ibrahim tore his Achilles after having 163 yards and two touchdowns already through three and three fourths quarter, two and three fourths quarters. Now, once he went down, things got a little rough. They finished that drive out with a field goal, cut the game to a seven point game. And really finishing out that drive, if you wouldn't have torn it, if it would have been something small and he could have come back, who knows what could have happened in that game when they're only down a touchdown. But the game plan was right, and we'll see if Minnesota, with potentially a more potent offense, can try and capitalize. But regardless, winning the time of possession battle and trying to keep the scoring low or keeping Ohio State's offense off of the field is going to be the make or break because with some of the best wide receivers in the nation, if not the best, you can't afford to keep giving them the ball. Now, the strengths of Ohio State include the passing game, the best receivers in the country, running backs that have all proven to hold their own, and top-notch coordinators at all three levels. But the weaknesses come in with a quarterback who's not 100% proven yet. Now, they likely have the talent to possibly have the next guy up sort of mentality, the next era behind the Barrett, Haskins, Fields, Shroud. Those eras are over. So could McCord or Brown be the next era of Ohio State greats? We'll find out. But right now, it's not 100% proven. You move on. The defense was pretty solid. But they gave up a lot of explosive plays, especially in their losses. Penn State had a 58-yard pass touchdown, 23-yard pass touchdown. The Georgia game, they had a 25-yard pass touchdown and a 76-pass-yard touchdown. And then you look at that Michigan game, 69-yard passing touchdown, 75-yard passing touchdown, 45-yard passing touchdown, 75-yard rushing touchdown, 85-yard rushing touchdown. The explosives, Ohio State can get exposed on that defense and give up some big-time plays. The Gophers can find a couple of those. Maybe they can put their names into the conversation and give Ohio State a little bit of a scare before they have to play Michigan the following week. Maybe they sleep on the Gophers a little bit too much, looking too far in the future. We'll find out this season, but I am excited to see it all play out. That's going to do it for us today at Lockdown Golden Gophers. Tomorrow we'll have updates from fall camp week two, and then we'll also be talking about the Badgers, the final team on our Behind the Enemy Lines. I'll see you then. This is Kane Rob. Roll this boat. Sky you ma. Go Gophers and all that stuff. And don't forget to subscribe. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.